Hello? Well, howdy there, Mr. Rosenstiel. How are you on this fine Monday afternoon? Well, I reckon I'm doing all right. How are you, partner? I'm hanging in there. We got a 43 air quality index I'm trying to breathe through. It done changed up my voice and changed up, well, I guess my dialect too, by golly. Ah, uh, well, see, I don't have that same excuse because it's fine here. The weather's just is a little warm, but the air quality's okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, no, 43 isn't that bad. It's mm-hmm. been worse the past uh, few days. Um, so I can I can handle 43. Uh, but the other day I woke up and so it was interesting. We uh, opened back up at the studio because things were things were looking up. And uh, so my sh- I started doing my shows back in the studio. And then the Delta variant started doing what it's doing. So uh, our county, Sonoma County, um, reinstituted mask mandates just to be safe. It wasn't a requirement by the government, but um, Sonoma County wanted to do so, which is good. And so because of that, now I'm back to doing most of my shows from home, uh, save for on Friday when I go into the studio. However... When I woke up on Friday, this last Friday, uh, I was headachy and congested and just did not feel good. And so I, you know, out of an abundance of caution, I did my show from home on that day. So um, afterward, I kind of had that realization of, yeah, that was definitely the smoky air that had uh, got me. So it's kind of wild how much it impacts you, even if you're not, you know, rocking open windows or anything like that because here in in my place I I don't I can't remember about yours but I've got central air here and even still uh that stuff gets in. Oh yeah. Uh I uh I don't think most people can appreciate the air quality during uh forest fire season um if they haven't been in California during that sort of time period. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, so far, we haven't had any major fires this year. Knock on bamboo desk. Um, oh, same. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the it's going to happen soon, I'm sure, because we're going to get it's just getting drier and warmer and drier and warmer, and then eventually a power line will we go down. Love it. Or dry whatever. and warm. Yeah. Dry best way to yeah, best way to enjoy enjoy it. Um. I am uh, continually uh, concerned about, I mean, as everybody is who lives here, it's just like, ugh, I wish that this wasn't a thing that we have to add on to all of the other anxieties that exist already. Well, it it also, you know, like to your earlier point, compounding that with um, fears about a, a... an illness um you know you you do like you said you feel sick uh from it and then you're just like well is it global warming and the world ending because of fire or is it global or is it world ending because of virus or like where are we at on the world ending apocalypse scale here um you know it's just a lot to lots of let's you know personally manage in terms of your frets and fears about your headaches yeah, mm-hmm. um, I well, we, we've we've all got enough going, on. <laughs> uh, but to add more is just not fun. Well, uh, I well I have an interesting question for you. You said your air quality index is forty three. Are do you have you um been refining your air quality index workflows uh for California? Um, so I not necessarily. I from time to time try new apps and things, and there's this great app uh, I covered on iOS today. It's called Breathable, and with Breathable, what I like about it is it uses several different systems. Uh, so there's IQAir.com and uh, docs.airnowapi.org. Well, it's just airnow.gov rather, and. Uh, that's the name <laughs> yeah airnow.gov is the epa's aqi reporting service 
airnow.gov um, <laughs> and iqair.com are the two. And so it uses both of those um, and then will give you kind of the highest value of the two. Well, you get to choose. You could say, I want it to show me the highest value of the two, the lowest value of the two, um, an average, that kind of thing. And it's mostly just a widget. It's It's not meant to kind of be an app on its own. It just is there to... Uh, provide a widget on your phone. So that's how I use it. It's uh, a widget on my second home screen. I swipe over and I can see the uh, air quality index right quick and then move back. And it's got some different features in it for uh, color coding. So it'll, the there's a rectangle kind of around it that can turn uh, darker depending on what the AQI is. So even super quick glanceably, you can see Hey, AQI is not bad, or AQI is not good. Um, Does it provide you with a like a, a map of current sensor readouts, like Purple Air does? It does not. No, yeah, it is just specifically designed to be a widget. So there's not much information there other than some quick glanceable mm-hmm. numbers. And so it says forty through forty through, yeah, forty through AQI on the left, and then on the right it says good, and then it tells you which readout you're using. I choose PM two point five as opposed to PM ten, and then the current time, um, or the the not the current time, but the time at which it last pinged the API. Um, so yes, uh, Purple Air, if you're wanting to get geographical with things, is a great way to see kind of in the area what things are looking like and uh where what places you should covet for their better uh air quality or what places you should have some level of um uh what's the word sympathy for Mm -hmm. for their aqi is much worse than yours yeah i i find i don't love purple air's website or any of that but uh just the general information, because uh, like you, we have uh, some terrain, so we have some uh, microclimates and uh, the wind direction and stuff. So you can kind of see where the really bad forest fire smoke is blowing uh, by the the readouts that change across like a valley or something like that. And you'll be like, oh, OK, not going there. Uh, and uh, I'll just I'll just stay over here where it's uh, nice and less bad. Um, and uh, it's it's just uh, informative in that regard, uh, as opposed to. What I absolutely hate is Apple's air quality index number. Uh, I I think that is... I don't know where it comes from. It's useless. It is so useless. I, I just remember last fire season, it's just like, uh-oh, it's 80. And it'd be like, but 80, 80 what? And then I'd go outside and be like, it smells fine. I can I can breathe. And then it'd be just like some sort of like generic blob of Los Angeles, I guess. I, it doesn't seem to have any sort of like pinpointed thing. I have no idea what they're their process yeah i don't know where what they use to determine theirs that's uh always confused me as well yeah (sighs) but now that you are uh one foot back in the office uh two two feet back at home um Mm -hmm. how how has that affected your uh your your workflow i was listening to a clockwise episode where you were cycling some of your, your equipment back in to the office yeah. and you take some of your equipment back out of the office. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. not been fun. Um, just because, so here's the thing is like there, this is, a, this gets a little bit complicated for me because, um, feelings play into it to a certain extent. Um, it's when you are uniquely qualified to be able to um, address certain issues that should arise, and you are unable to address certain issues that should arise, it tends to make you feel more powerless uh, in those situations. And I also have um, just sort of a a personality flaw of mine is that I am very uh, uncomfortable with the idea of being misunderstood. And so I tend to, as I am doing now, over-explain my points to make sure that uh, the impact of my words and also just sort of the understanding of who I am and what I'm trying to get across is, to the best of my ability, um, understood at the level at which it is, which, of course, is 
at some level also just a bit of trust issue and other people and not believing that they will uh or not trusting that they will get me kind of thing but um this isn't therapy so i'll keep going to talk about how uh it is troublesome when you're there's something wrong with the internet or uh the the audio isn't working right or this or that or the other and you have exhausted all of the things that you are able to do um but more so the concern that maybe folks on the other side of things are not necessarily uh, hearing you and believing that you've done all of the things that you should do. So a prime example of that would be <clears throat> um, there was an ongoing issue when I was uh, when I used to record iOS today uh, from home and um they the studio and engineers kind of thought that it was an internet issue however i pay for a gigabit uh down which is not a gigabit up sadly because uh isps are trash but um basically that for every reason i should have had no problem with the bandwidth but i kept getting these issues with the bandwidth and um even though I continued to say, like, it's not my internet, I've done speed tests on this device, on that device, I've, you know, checked it, and trying to show, it was one of those things where, like, once somebody gets an idea in their head, they don't really change from that idea, and they just keep believing that that is the cause, and it's like, no, it's something else, we need to address it. Um, So anyway, all of that's to say, going back into the studio means that now the only thing that is sort of my responsibility about uh, being in front of the camera is being in front of the camera. And that part of my job is not something that other people are um, uniquely skilled in, in which case it is, you know, completely on me, but also I feel completely confident in knowing that they trust that, I know what I'm talking about on those specific, you know, topics. So, um, it becomes less of an issue. There's less anxiety about it. There's less, uh, dissatisfaction involved. So whenever I heard we were going to be moving partly back to home, I was like, oh man, now we got to go back to that. Um, luckily a long time ago, I ended up addressing the issue. And so it's not really come up since then, but there is still that low level anxiety of like, ugh. What if something else goes wrong and I can't figure out how to fix it? And then we've, you know, maybe I've got to try to scramble into the studio or we've got to put off recording for 15, 20 minutes while I contact uh, Comcast or what have you. So that there's kind of the the mental uh, side of things. But uh, as far as everything else goes, I have I had kind of undone my setup a little bit um, and I'm currently actually... Uh, so Twit had us all take home, all of us regular hosts take home a Heil PR40 because those are the microphones that we use in the office, in the studio, um, so that the sound profile would be similar. And with everything kind of returning back to normal <laughs> there for a minute, I switched back to the mic that I've used uh, on my own that, you know, is mine. And I'm trying to remember, oh, the Shure Beta 87A, uh, that I purchased a long time ago. And, um, love this microphone. I think it's great. And uh, so I had switched this back in. Um, and so I'm sticking with it, even though we're doing part from studio, part from home, I'm not going back to the Heil, uh, just because it takes a lot of work. Uh, but as far as the audio interface I'm using, I had switched to my own personal audio interface, which was a um, a Thunderbolt audio interface from Universal Audio Devices. Oh, I have not um, heard of this uh, one. Yeah, Usually everybody says like Scarlet or pre, pre-USB or whatever. Yeah, Scarlet's a pretty popular one. Um, and I uh, wanted to have a Thunderbolt uh, version because I thought that that would be cool and good. And um, I think for some folks, it works great, but it's more for, it's not more for just being an audio interface for podcasting. It is uh, much more equipped to be something for musicians because it has all these fun, cool tools where you can, uh, it like loads up these profiles on in the device itself that change things so that 
you can get these unique sound profiles. So you can make your microphone sound like it's certain kind of equipment, make your um, guitar sound like it's certain kinds of equipment. And so, yeah, it's got all these unique processing features that instead of happening kind of uh, virtually in the uh, music recording application that you're using where you can add those filters, it's happening in real time on the device itself uh, with Universal Audio's special magic that it does. So there's a really cool one that would do noise cancellation for like a room to kind of remove room tone that was not good. Um, And it was pretty neat. But I ended up running into a bunch of issues with that where Zoom tries to be smart about things and uh, smart about audio. And in doing so, it was messing things up for me. Um, So I switched back to the device that I use um, that uh, I that that Twit sent home with me back whenever this whole thing started. And it's the USB Mix Pre 3, which is from, oh, golly, what's the Mix Pre device from? (sighs) Sound devices. Yeah, sound devices Mix Pre 3. Uh, they're very pricey. And so I, Mm. this is not something that I, um, purchased because, but, uh, I also have my complaints about it as well. Um, it's really, I argue not meant to be, um, it's, it's excellent for someone who's trying to do like a portable, uh, sound interface, uh, who needs a portable sound interface. So you go somewhere and you are um, recording an interview or you strap it to a camera and it's used for that. But as a stationary device that is an uh, audio interface where audio comes out of it, like the Mac pipes audio into it and then into my headphones and then also works as an input device where it pipes audio from the microphone into it into my Mac for recording. It's not like purpose built for that. And so I, <laughs> it's so silly that this bothers me ultimately, but it annoys me that I have to, in order to use it, anytime my computer goes to sleep, uh, in order to continue using the Mix Pre 3, I have to power cycle it. It has to be turned off and turned back on again in order for it to work. Otherwise, I can't hear anything coming out of my headphones. I can't. And I just like, I want to be able to just sit down and hit record if I need to and get going. So again, yes, all I have to do is reach out and turn it off and turn it back on again. But I just don't think that one should have to do that, especially for a very expensive device, Uh, especially given that when it is plugged in as it is right now and the computer goes to sleep, it still stays on. And when I turn the computer back on or when I rewake the computer from sleep and I go to my audio input and output settings, the Mix Pre 3 Mark II is still selected as the audio input and output device. So on the face of it, everything looks fine, but secretly it's broken and won't work until you power cycle it again. So that's what bugs me is that it's inconsistent and seems buggy in that way. And my thought is that it's like a it's a power issue where because it, it gets uh, it's one USB-C cable that runs from the Mix Pre 3 Mark II into the Mac and that one USB-C cable powers it and is the you know device that is uh, channeling the audio back and forth between oh, it. Okay, um, no, so there's no external power for when... Precisely. Okay, that makes sense. However, <laughs> and here's where things get even more annoying, uh, you can buy a cable where it's USB-C for the MixPre 3 side of it, and it breaks out into two USB-A ports that are USB um, 3, you know, uh, data. One is for the audio, for the data that you plug into the computer. Well, you're technically meant to plug both of these USB-A ports into the computer. One provides power, one provides the data. So what I did was I plugged one to the computer, the one for the data, but the one for the power I plugged into an adapter that it just is constantly powered. So... In theory, that would mean that the device is constantly powered, constantly has power, and there's no interruption even if the computer should fall asleep because it's it was a completely separate adapter that was just plugged directly into the wall. And so I thought, oh, that'll take care of it because then it will be getting constant power and it won't have this issue where it stops interfacing with the computer. Alas, not even that worked. So 
instead of dealing with all those extra cables, because uh, I would just have to unplug the data cable and plug it back in in order to get it to work. And then sometimes that wouldn't work. Um, the simplified setup is using the one USB-C cable and just switching on and off the device at its um, at its box. And I have to tell you, this was one of those issues where uh, the engineering team kind of thought that I was doing something wrong. Uh, that, you know, th- even though I was, you know, taking every note and every step to try and report what the heck was going on and why this wasn't working, um, as I expected it, they kind of just thought I had something, I wasn't doing something right in the whole process. And so it became this like advocating for, no, I like, I, I, what is happening is truly happening. And, uh, I need you to believe me here because this is ridiculous. Um, but in the end, I've just had to settle with, okay, that's fine. It just, uh, has to be turned on and off or turned, excuse me, off and back on again. And that's just how it is. And so now that I've uh, settled and agreed to that, it works as I need it to. I mean, one thing that's great about it is it has a built-in um, limiter. And so I can crank the gain up on this bad boy pretty high, and I never have to worry about clipping uh, because of the built-in limiting effects. And so actually right now, if I look at the Mix Pre 3's uh, meters, as I'm talking on some of the parts where I'm getting louder, it's technically clipping but the built-in limiters are uh keeping it from from that being an issue um so i really think that the built-in uh amps and all that magic that happens is uh great with the mix pre 3 and it used to be i used the um us 2 by 2 uh from let's see us 2x2 uh from tascam um or Tascam or Tascam and um that was a great one it was a simple one but it did not have a whole lot of power and so there would be times where people would be saying I can't really hear you and I'd have to turn up the gain on it and then it would get to a point where it was clipping on you know the parts where I was loudest but it was not loud enough otherwise uh so with this I can crunk that gain and I don't have an issue with it. So I do like that. Um, but yeah, everything else about it annoys me. So I just kind of stare <laughs> at it from time to time and uh, give it the di- give it a dirty look. And um, we both just have agreed to exist with one another. Uh, outside of that, I have gone through so many different iterations of um, video capture of me. And it's always come back to my Logitech C920 uh, webcam, because if you've got good lighting, then this camera is excellent for being um, a a camera to capture what you're doing. Um, I've used a DSL, a video DSLR, or excuse me, a DSLR that, you know, is kind of equipped to handle video. Um, I've used one of uh, Twit's cameras. It's a it's an old school Canon, um, like, I don't know what to call it, a dad cam, <laughs> the, the, a camcorder. There we go. Camcorder. Yeah. Uh, I like dad cam better. Um, <laughs> so an old school dad cam that does 1080p uh, max, which is what we you know publish our videos at anyway. So uh, really great glass in it and everything like that and used that. And I always come back to this webcam because it's just, it just works and it looks good. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've stuck with that overall. Um, that that serves as my webcam. Other than that, things are uh, pretty much the same because when I'm at work or when I'm at home, I'm using the same MacBook Pro as my basis, and I just take it uh, with me whenever I go. Um, so luckily, the rest of my desk kind of got to stay set up as it was before. But uh, yeah, it was mostly about the audio and the, the microphone and uh, what camera uh, I was using. Yeah, see, for me, the fact that my MacBook Pro can get up and go is actually the most disruptive part of the process. Uh, Not that I, because I don't travel for work. I'm not taking my laptop anywhere uh, specifically, but um, the few times where I've worked from somewhere else uh, in the house because I needed to wait for a repair guy or something in the living room, 
um, and I've just been using the MacBook Pro screen in order to get the work done. It's fine, but everything's just really tiny, mm-hmm. itty bitty tiny, because it's scaling a um, uh, a 4K desktop uh, workstation on the Windows side down to the teeny tiny little 15 inch screen um, that is that definitely not uh, does not have enough pixels either. So you kind of wind up with this uh, scaled down very tiny, tiny text, um, which is not charming to look at because uh, it hurts your eyes after like five minutes, but uh, not doing a lot of reading in order to get my work done. But the process of disconnecting my uh, MacBook Pro from the uh, Anchor, whatever the heck it is, uh, hub thing, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the the space heater, um, <laughs> it... Uh, disconnecting that uh, sort of reshuffles all kinds of stuff inside of the Mac, and I don't like that. Oh, how so? Oh, well, first there's the display, because um, I run in clamshell mode uh, and have my desktop set up, so I need to quit out of the virtual desktop application that we have, um, and then I need to open up my laptop display wait for it to switch the primary display from my external monitor to my MacBook. Then I can uh, disconnect the uh, the monitor process from that. Oh, also, you know, drag the time machine volume to the trash so it ejects uh, like normal. It's just a normal thing that people do is drag drives to the trash uh, since the 1980s. But the um, uh, then when you plug it back in later, it has to be open. It can't start from a closed position in clamshell mode for some reason. Um, and then once it wakes up and it flickers the screen a couple times and goes back to that being the primary, then I can close the uh, laptop and run it in clamshell mode. And it'll mount the time machine volume. And it will make all the other connections, except sometimes, um, and this is especially true even if I like power cycle, it won't recognize the keyboard uh so i'll have to unplug it and plug the keyboard back in uh from the hub uh and i don't know why that is necessarily and the other thing is that it will pick the wrong audio output because this uh monitor this cheap samsung monitor we've talked about in the past um it has a uh, head jack port on the back um just like your normal little uh headphone jack um, it has no speakers inside of it. I do not like to plug in the uh, my desktop speakers into that uh, because for some reason it doesn't let you control the volume inside of macOS when it's plugged into that. You can only control the volume from the hardware device. Uh, that does not work for me. So I have it plugged. I have my audio plugged into the uh, the Anchor Hub. But because there is an audio driver in the monitor, it, for some reason, defaults to that as being the audio output source. So I'll be clicking on something or listening to something or uh, wonder why I didn't get an alert noise or something like that. And it's because it has selected the uh, LR, uh, sorry, LU28R55 um, <laughs> audio output instead of selecting the right one because um, it's just a jerk face. Uh, and, I, and I just don't understand that. Um, also I sort of similarly to you with, in, in terms of like, a audio input and output problems. Um, if I have, if I leave my ATR USB plugged into my hub and then my machine either power cycles or is disconnected, it'll pick the wrong audio inputs and outputs. But if I only ever plug in the ATR USB USB port into the hub, precisely when I'm going to do a recording and unplug it immediately afterwards, then it will correctly assume that I want to use that as my audio output and it'll do all the right settings and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I hate that as, as a as a process for me because ideally I would just be able to leave everything plugged in all the time. Right. Um, but being able to do this one step at least keeps me from having to like change settings inside of menus. God, so it shouldn't have to happen. I know I would just, which is going to be my suggestion to you for your, um, your pre problem, uh, is that, 
since it has a power switch, I would just leave it off all the time until you're going to go record, then turn it on. Um, and then you don't have to cycle it on and off. It's just, That's a good point. It's just yeah. Off. After I'm done recording, just turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always end up switching my output to uh, my speakers afterward anyway. So there's not really a point. You know, I'm not listening through it regularly. It's only when I'm recording. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point. And if you are lucky enough, um, maybe it'll automatically switch to that when you when you when the power cycles back onto it. Um, similarly to how when I plug in the ATR USB, uh, it recognizes that. Uh, yeah, again. it definitely seems to power. Or it definitely seems to always switch back to it whenever I turn it on. So hopefully that will stay. But isn't that what we're, those words we're saying right now are part <laughs> of the problem that I have with this? Is like. It should not be a hopefully. It should be that I have a place where I can go into settings and say, when this is connected, I want you to always turn to this. I don't want it to be some, um, you know, uh, some secret system, some secret database in the back of uh, behind the behind the scenes that is monitoring my regular activity and then making changes and adjustments based on that. I want to go I want to go to there, to that <laughs> database and say, um, yeah, so you're seeing this behavior about me. I don't give a crap what you think. When I connect this device, this should always be the one that you use. And don't play guessing games anymore. Let's not do guess. Let's do yes. <laughs> That's nice. That was catchy. Thank uh, you. Thank you. You should put that uh, out as, as a, some sort of memo for... Apple, it, but it's it's a it's a screed. <laughs> you, you'll uh, you'll uh, nail it to the 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 wall. And, oh my uh, god! I'm going to walk up yeah. to the mothership, and actually, I'll head into the mothership, and in the middle where they've got that rainbow arc, I'll nail it to the rainbow arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say, and like you know, Monk Martin Luther, I too will be. <laughs> beaten i'm sure well yeah you would have a hard time nailing it to the glass door probably uh but (laughs) (laughs) could you imagine Um, hold on (laughs) give me a second here i didn't bring the carbon steel nails uh does does anybody have uh can can we get uh, the hardware team out here i've got something i need to do i think it's more of like a a situation where you need like a very special kind of screw um uh, i don't don't know if if you can even uh any any sort of hammering screws of some sort yeah like one of those, like, uh, you know, in spy movies, right? Like the laser cutter. Um, but you just have to make a very tiny hole <laughs> instead of like the big one. I could just ship it to care of Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. Did you see that story about the guy who shipped the air tags around? He sent one to Elon Musk and he sent one to Tim Cook. Um, and just in order to track it and see how it worked, kind of when an air tag gets away from you. And the one to Tim Cook, uh, they, Apple sent back afterwards with a letter. Uh, I don't know if it was from Tim Cook directly, but um, yeah, he, he got a, a letter from Apple kind of, um, I assume, you know, saying, oh, you know, this was a great idea to to check it. But now I would imagine that there are hundreds of um, air tags on their way to Tim Cook from around the world. And I doubt uh, that's going to get the same response. So maybe don't send a letter to Tim Cook at this point with an air tag, but um, maybe I'll send one to Beyonce. Oh, see what happens. Yeah. I'll probably uh, like she'll probably sue me or something for wait, harassment. I'm not sure she would be as interested in the capabilities of your tag <laughs> testing. Uh, so yeah, you say you were the first person who came to mind when I thought about testing my air tags. I can't help it. What do you want from me? <laughs> She's like, uh, to the left. Um, and she doesn't want any scrubs. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, I. I don't know why I did scrub. Why did I say scrubs? Because you don't want no scrubs? Yeah, but isn't that... Isn't that TLC not... Yes, that is. Yeah, not so Destiny's I don't, Child. Yeah, I don't know Which I think is what you were that. trying to think of. It was, and I apologize to TLC, whom I love, <laughs> and I apologize to Destiny's Child, whom I also enjoy. Not love. Ooh. Don't tell, don't tell Hot take. I know, I'm sorry. Don't tell Bills, bills, bills. All right. Um, <laughs> what's uh, what's next? Oh, um, no. That was that sounded more excited than it was. I was going to just talk about um, 
Well, I guess I will. Um, I had to see this isn't that interesting. <laughs> I was going to say that I had to replace one of my webcams, but that's not interesting at all. It was just it. Um, I couldn't get it to connect anymore to the, the base station uh, that it uses as its obviously base of connection. It's a, you know, it's bridge. And so I ended up having to replace it. But um, I, I guess I was just going to kind of lament the process of trying to set up uh, motion notifications for different um, webcams whenever you live in an apartment complex in particular, where there's lots of movement back and forth. And so I kind of have this complex um, set of zones to keep me from getting notified for just random stuff. And so then it uh, only will notify me whenever someone's quite literally on my porch as opposed to just walking past the porch, which is how it's been. Um, but again, that's really not all that interesting. So, mm. Well, uh, I mean, it was yeah. a challenge that we had to. Uh, we, our, our house, we didn't realize this when it was signed for and everything uh but it doesn't have a doorbell uh and it didn't have um space around the door frame for there to be a doorbell oh no uh there's just wall there but if you put any but it's a uh, the the door is sort of like recessed with walls on either side uh so you can't put a doorbell there because then it just faces the other wall um you know, so it doesn't detect anybody or see anything or any of that because it's too close at that point. So on the very like skinny edge of the wall that sticks out and faces the the stairs up from the street, we could put uh, a doorbell there and it was mounted there. Um, but any time there was motion on the street, it would be detected. And then the zone, no matter which zone configuration we were doing, it it would still detect like the grasses on the side of the hill would move in the wind and then it'd be like, uh Oh, um, stuff. And it'd be like, we don't, we don't need a notification about that. Or a truck would go by with lights and uh, the lights would illuminate stuff and it would trigger his motion. But the, uh, the process was so annoying until, uh, Oh, and, and by the way, it did not actually detect humans unless they left the front door. It would not detect them approaching <laughs> the front door. <laughs> That's not very helpful. No, it's very weird. Um, but the, I mean, it works as a doorbell in all other contexts if somebody pushes the button. Um, but like, you wouldn't want to use it to like secure your property or anything. But the, uh, the the thing finally got so annoying that all the notifications have been whittled down to pra- practically nothing. Basically, somebody has to push the button, um, in order to to actually trigger anything, um. Or we can, you know, manually go look at what's going on in the camera feed, but it's it's not super helpful. I feel like those doorbell cameras are not um, good uh, at all, and that I really wish you could just like they really are them in some way and like point them somewhere and be like, no, I don't need you to look at up the hill and street and stuff. Like just like tilt more that way but you can't because you can't really like tilt the device um so the only the only thing is like i wish you could just like pivot the the thing a little bit um in order to like optimize the zones it was seeing but that that's just i agree with you it's very frustrating to try and like optimize your motion sensing stuff around like uh, an ever dwindling set of zones just so you don't get notified about things and then at that point it's just like well why do I have this? <laughs> what what is it doing? Um, how does it, how does it benefit me like in my life? I don't understand. Yeah, I so it used to be, um, well, and it, it I'm trying to get back to that point again because what I used it for it was very helpful for me is I'd order groceries, um, or occasionally would order from something like DoorDash, but mostly just a grocery order at this point, and so. It would serve as the kind of final notification that the groceries had been delivered to my porch. And then I always do give a quick look at the camera or the recording to see that, uh, like if I've ordered eggs or something, and if they really heavily set them down um, versus being more dainty with something like that. I promise I'm not a Karen about it. I, you know, if, if something is messed up, I tend to just, it's okay. But um, certainly just to make sure that it's not like, that it happened uh, at the at the last step of delivery, and um, 
I used it, you know, for that to, okay, now I can go get my groceries. And then also just to make sure that uh, I, I get them in time. And then it is also helpful for package delivery to see um, when something has been delivered. And then if it's still there before I've had a chance to go and get it again. So I like it for that. And it's been helpful in the past two in um, the few times where I've had a delivery not get um, to me. I was able to um, uh, show if I needed to. I didn't end up needing to. I could. I just was able to mention that I had cameras. Like the delivery person never came to my uh, porch. I checked with the neighbors. They didn't have my package. You know, it was completely not delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was helpful to have that. So I'm still. You know, it's not enough uh, annoyance that I'm not using it or anything like that. But it is certainly one of those things where you have to have to figure out how to get it up, get it set up how you want it uh, before and and hope that it works <laughs> as yeah. you want it to. Yeah, because we, um, to your point about packages and stuff, uh, it it can, the the view basically is that we can't see if a package was put down, but we can see if somebody, you know, brought a package up or left after dropping off a package. But the, uh, the real kicker is that uh, because of the stairs, um frequently uh the delivery people will decide that they don't they don't want to do it uh they don't want to go up the stairs and so they'll just mm. sort of chuck the package vaguely near the bottom of the stairs oh yeah and so nothing sees that uh in terms of like cameras and stuff um but you know usually it's sort of like a hunch that we have when we have like certain mail carriers will be like oh well the ups guy sometimes delivers stuff to our house that's supposed to be for this neighbor and vice versa because he gets the numbers confused uh and you know sometimes it'll be like okay and this is you know the u.s postal service uh so it'll never arrive and uh this is (laughs) true yeah uh, i mean how frustrating is it when you have a, a package from the u.s postal service and it'll be marked as delivered and it is not delivered uh and your only recourse with Amazon uh, in in that case when they use them is that they'll say like, uh, just wait a couple days and maybe yep. it'll show up. <laughs> yep. It's. Oh, yeah. I, anytime uh, the USP, I'm like, Oh no, what do I do? How do I undo this? <laughs> yeah. I, I wish there was like some sort of a warning or something. It'd be like, I would never have bought this if it was going to be coming. Exactly. By the post office. Uh, not that, you know, I, I wish the post office you know, it is an institution and it certainly has, it could be a better institution than it is. Uh, and there but, are good people who work there. Yeah. But, but there are, um, a preponderance of, uh, people who seem very, uh, motivated to mark things as delivered or say things are delivered that are not delivered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there with you. Yeah. Um, we're not entirely sure, but, uh, after complaining about our mail carrier, uh, seemingly not delivering mail on a very frequent basis uh it it seems we have a different guy now i don't know if the other person was reassigned or what but we've been receiving all of our mail and it has been um i I wouldn't say like heaven but it (laughs) it has been an improvement because i haven't been like fretful uh that we would not receive things that are in the uh uh informed delivery email that you get because it was it was a pretty regular thing where we'd just be like, "Is any of this going to show up today?" Guess not. God, that's terrible. Yeah, I, I, it's like I, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and you suddenly are having this thing that's supposed to be something you can take for granted uh, suddenly happening. You're going, "Oh my god, I'm actually getting my mail." <laughs> I mean, because I hate mail. I don't want. I, I, I do not want mail. But when I have mail. I want to receive it. Um, yes. That's, it, it's mm-hmm. usually something important in that case. Uh, I, I would like to receive the important things, please. Like when my dad sent a Christmas card that had a gift card in it because he shouldn't have done that. Um, and I didn't receive that. And then we had to go through a whole rigmarole with him trying to get that refunded back to him. Um, and like, oh, man. They could verify that nobody had spent anything on the card so it seems like somebody just threw it out uh or it was lost or something um but it was it was just such a pain in the butt uh and it was just one of those things where it's just like oh can't you just 
ask the post office? And it's like, yeah, I can. And I did. And they said they'll get back to me. And then they don't. Uh, you, you have, you have nothing. You have no way to get it. It doesn't happen. If it, if it's not there, it's not there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Although they did deliver, um, a fan, uh, three days late. Um, and I had, it had been long enough that Amazon let me marked it as missing and they delivered me another fan. Uh, and love it when that happens. Yeah. And so I had two and then I, I contacted them and I said, I I don't want to be in trouble. Please take the other fan back. And they said, no, you have to go to a a UPS location and show them this QR code and they'll ship it back to us. And I was like, (laughs) I don't want to. The whole point of using your service is that I don't have to go anywhere. Right. Uh, It's also not small. (laughs) Yeah. I, one time that happened to me with um, a pair of shoes and uh, to this day, I've never been charged for that second pair of shoes and so I just put them in my closet for whenever the uh, first because it's a pair of shoes that I've worn for years, Adidas Samba. Um, and so I was wearing my current pair and had purchased a backup pair from Amazon and they got delivered um, to the wrong address. And then um, whenever I said I never got it because I didn't, um, I got the new one. And then it turned out that the wrong address that I got delivered to was my university, um, uh, my university, not apartment, one of those called dorm room. And so they ended up forwarding it to my proper address. So then I ended up with two pairs. And so I just um, tucked one away. And yeah, that's been now, what, five or six years or something more. Um, so I never got charged for that other pair of shoes. And wow. uh, they're still there just waiting. So, you know, maybe if you need a backup fan. No, I already reported it to Amazon because I'm such a goody two shoes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're depriving Jeff Bezos of that money. What if he needs it for his rockets? Yeah, I think he's okay. I think after uh, five years, if he didn't need to use that money, then he's okay. Okay. We could have already been on Mars if it wasn't for you. Uh, Holy moly, that's been 10 years. Oh my God. That's been, wow, that's a long time. I'm old. Okay. Well, I mean, yes, we all are. (laughs) I'm older than you, so. Yeah, Yeah, I realized that after I said it. It's just, Mm -hmm. wow, that was a long time ago. I didn't think I spoke in you know, decades. <laughs> that's that's what was really shocking for me. It's like, well, 10 years ago, yeah, I, I bought was, a pair of shoes. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, uh, college uh, recently, and uh, I went to, I, my freshman year of college was in uh, August of 2020, I'm sorry, August of tw- uh, 2001, and mm-hmm. it's going to be 20 years since my freshman year of college, uh, this this in a few weeks, I guess, basically. Um, so it's just like, wow, I'm very old. Um, <laughs> this is super duper old. Graduated <laughs> college 16 years ago. Um, so that's, uh, bleh. Wee! So old. Oh, uh, boy. You ever do that thing what? where you're thinking about a movie and you're just like, oh, that was like five years ago. <laughs> and then you look it up, you look and, it it up like, and it was oh. <laughs> yeah, I try not to do that either. Um on a daily, I think I, on a daily basis, I never remember how old I am, uh, and I never like I always have to do the math. Um, whenever someone asks me my age, should they ask me my age? I'm always like, "Oh, give me a second here, okay? Da, da, da. Yeah, okay." Um, I don't know. Anyway, I I don't know if there's uh, much else to talk about here, unless you've got any other topics you want to cover. No, I I was just interested in what you're doing to prepare for your uh, partial return to work. The and, hybrid life. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's no fun. Uh, my employer said that maybe at some point in the future, they're going to uh, have us come back to the office. But uh, it's not required right now because they also sent that email right when the uh, our county uh, mask uh, guidance went into effect for Delta. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just one of those ominous things where they had previously said we could work from home for forever. Uh, so I'm going to try to work on that to maintain the forever part. Um, but uh, but we, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. And then uh, nothing else has changed in the world of technology. Um, I've been working on a uh, uh, just sort of a, a mental 
and like word based catalog of all of my like camera hobby stuff. Um, cause I was listening to, uh, some podcasts and watching some YouTube videos where, you know, when, when people, uh, get around to it, they're like, Oh, what do I buy to replace that thing? And what do I put it in? And, you know, I need a bag for the, the thing. And so it's just like, Oh yeah, that's true. What do I put my stuff in? Um, and like, what could I, what do I want to replace in my stuff? Cause I do want to replace some stuff. And I was just like, well, what would I replace? What would I keep? Like, what is, what is actually essential? Uh, and then it was like going through like my Lightroom catalogs and, there's some nice features where you can like search by lens used because it's stored in the meta- metadata on the phone and you can be just like, well, I, I'm sorry, metadata on the image. And so you can be like, oh, so uh, all of these photos, like, do I use this lens a lot? And it's the answer is yes. And do I use this one more? And the answer is also yes. And it'd be like, well, you know, just sort of like piecing together the ratios of things. And then, of course, you also find out that, that there are all those lenses where that doesn't actually store any metadata, informa- metadata information because it's uh, just dumb metal that screws into other metal. Um, that's no fun. But uh, but that's all I've got exciting-wise in terms of technology is just like maybe I'll have a list of things that I own at some point. Uh, and uh, that, that could be used to decide on buying other lists of things. Um, so, you know, there's nothing really thrilling there. Yeah. yeah. Uh I as far as still getting to work from home though, that's good. Um that mm-hmm. I, I mean in, in terms of safety. May it, I I found going back to the studio to be very invigorating and uh actually helpful for me mental health wise. Um and so for that part, you know, I I was happy to have a return, but for safety's sake, I think it's good um that we are all continue I feel for the folks who are being coerced into returning to the office um when they don't feel safe doing so and when others don't feel safe doing so yeah i mean there's a safety aspect to it um and like you said there there is a mental health i I have several friends who um who need the social interaction from being at work um for their own sort of social well-being um it's sort of isolating and uh more difficult to do their jobs for them um, in my line of work, I don't find it particularly beneficial and I don't like people. Uh, so it has been helpful to not be near them, um, in a way that doesn't have much to do with illness, but, uh, but yes, it is, it is a challenge if you, if you are denied that flexibility of being able to decide whether or not you want to be there, um, I, either for mental health or for, you know, COVID health. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, just a something, something that's we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, for long after when we're on the Zeta variant or whatever. <gasps> Yuck. Uh, yeah. And on that note of <laughs> impending doom. <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, yeah. Co- COVID Zeta-Jones. Um, uh, it's too soon. Uh, it's no, no, no levity there. But uh, so, on that note, on that note, goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>